Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So yesterday I did a Texas shoot, uh, talking about the Texas shooter with my wife on here, and you guys got a chance to hear that. This episode, I do want to talk about the Texas shooter some more, but I also wanted to bring up some information I found in regards to this. This comes from multiple news sources, Washington Post, <coughs> New York Times, and the Daily Wire. <coughs> Excuse me. So everyone has been talking about what we could do to prevent this. Right? Or work basically politicizes as a horrible person that he is. People even have time to mourn. And everyone's been asking that question. How do we solve this problem? How do we fix it? And so for me, I try not to jump into the emotional bandwagon too quickly. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I'm not horrified by what I encounter. It does not mean that I am not sympathetic and empathetic towards the families. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not grieved by what happened or think that this person was atrociously evil. But I also, like I described on my last podcast I made the other night, maybe one of you uh, some of you guys got a chance to listen to it, is that these situations are no different than volcanoes. There's a plethora of things that take place. Tremors, whatnot, gases and everything coming out of the volcano, <coughs> rock moving, steaming areas. Um, so there, there's basically a lot of different signs that show us that something was going down, that something is about to happen. Everyone knows, no one really knows this until the volcano erupts and explodes. You can have like the, voc- um, um, I think it's volcanologists, if I'm not using that word correctly or mispronounce it, please forgive me, who will say, oh my gosh, this is what happened. You know, oh, it's going to happen. Then no one listens and also they explodes and goes, oh my gosh, what? People were killed or murdered. What can we have done differently to prevent people from dying in a volcano? And it's like, realistically, pay attention to the little signs. So here's the equivalent of that for the school shooter. I'd look this up. I listened to it, and what I came across was we talked about this. A lot of this is going to be the same thing I talked about in my last podcast, and it's more confirmation, but here we go. So first and foremost, the shooter came from a very broken home. What we had is... The mother um, was addicted to drugs. Uh, she moved down to this uh, the town where the shooting happened because of a job, um, offering for a job. But they apparently lived on the um, property that uh, the shooter's grandmother owned. And apparently wasn't, uh, I'm not too sure about the in-depth detail, but what I did gather from what they were saying is that the mother was a drug abuser and that um, the grandmother had, um, towards the end, had evicted the mother because of the drug usage, um, that there were domestic violence calls to the police regarding this, this uh, individual, this, this shooter, and in the family's home. So the home was broken. We had no father in the house. We had no, the mother was um, drug addicted. Uh, the grandmother, I'm not really sure about how well the relationship between the uh, grandmother was, but we can all, I'm assuming it's really bad. Um, this, this shooter was made fun of for a lisp that he had and a stuttering speech impediment that he, he had gotten all the time. So he was made fun of. He had put on, I think, eyeliner or mascara or something, something kind of makeup like that. Now, people really started making fun of him left, right, and center. He was bullied at school that he went to and bullied on social media. Um, the one of his best friends had stated um, that he was also cutting, he, he had cuts on his face. And originally he said, oh, he had a cat and that's what it caused the cuts. But then finally came out to his friend and said, you know what? No, I'm actually cutting myself. Um, I am, I'm cutting my face for fun because I, I just, I do that for fun. 
And he had said that um, they had also mentioned that he had become very aggressive with his neighbors and his friends. He said things they were all putting to people and that people would be pushing away from him. <clears throat> there was one person who heard, um, uh, what was it exactly? Uh, something about how he wanted to destroy something and she ended her friendship with him right then and there and walked away. Um, another one was that there, the police um, knew about these domestic violence calls. They, they show, the research shows that that's what was shown, but they didn't do anything. If this, and here, here's a big problem I have right here. The police gets, are getting calls about domestic violence in this household. In my books, if you're getting domestic, if you're getting calls for domestic violence in your household, and it should be put on your record, and this should be a big sign that you can't go and buy a firearm because a firearm you have to do a background check. A background check will check your local, it will check uh, state and federal. That's what these background checks do. So anyone who doesn't understand how a background check works, when I go in to go buy a gun, because I've bought a couple of guns in my lifetime, and I'm planning to buy a lot more, you have to fill out a form that's a federal background check. It checks your state, and so it checks your local, your state, and federal, any issues that pop up. So if you have anything like a parking ticket, felony, uh, domestic violence call, you cannot purchase. Again, they'll say, I'm sorry, your background check did not come through correctly. I cannot sell you this firearm. That is what it's there. But the only way a background check will work is if law enforcement is to actively do their job and put that information. So if you have a domestic violence call on your house and you are the person causing domestic violence in your household, law enforcement needs to document this and put it on your record so that when this, and I'm not saying this would have solved every problem out there because this is a very complicated issue. It's not one size fits all, but I'm saying that this is one thing that would have helped prevent this, would have helped prevent this, not solved it, prevented it, is if they had said, hey, look, you're on your 18th birthday, you're buying your first AR-15, um, I can't tell you this gun, unfortunately, background check did not clear, because it, um, it says something about domestic violence, I cannot sell you this firearm today, nothing in this store, firearm related, can I sell it to you, unfortunately. Um, that would have stopped him from legally being able to buy. Now, now, he had a pistol too. Now, in the great state of Texas, it is illegal for any person under the age of 21 to be able to purchase a pistol. He was able to get one. So there was a violation of the law that took place, and those people who did that should be held accountable. So, now, not, now again, I'm going to reiterate this. This is just one thing that could help um, help fix a problem, could help out in stop preventing a mass shooting not stopping them completely because the whole notion of more secure background checks more in-depth background checks the problem is you can have as much in-depth background check as you want to at the gun register but if law enforcement doesn't do their part of saying hey domestic violence call there's a drug usage issue parking ticket you're pulled over for speeding or whatnot if they don't put these into the records and do enforcement into it then you can have as much of an in-depth background check as you want nothing's going to come up as for mental health again if this person was checked into a mental health facility that would also go on the record and stop them from getting it but i think the biggest one is the community where was the community at this point where was the christian church at this point why was all this this guy was obviously in an echo chamber where he was on social media and he was inspired to do these things I'm looking at this, oh my goodness, um, 
Here's another one. The police did not go in immediately when the shooting started. Here's a big one I want to point out to you guys, because we can point out gun control, but I think a big one is also police. This also happened in Parkland, you know, with, uh, what's his name, David, what, what's his name, went out there, you know, we call BS, we call no more type thing, went against the NRA like every other Democrat liberal out there. But the problem is, like Sheriff Israel in the Parkland shooting, Sheriff Israel refused to go in to the school when the shooting had begun. These police officers didn't go in. How do I know this? Because it was a um, a border patrol officer who went in and shot this person. What happened is the shooter went into the building, and I'm still getting, I'm still scratching on details about the security officer. They are saying that there was no police officer on campus when uh, the shooter showed up. I'm still looking into information, so I'm not 100% sure. This is what I do know. He went into the school. Every door was unlocked. He went into what I believe to be a random classroom that was there. I don't, from all the uh, re, uh, evidence at this point, points to it was a random classroom. He went in, shut and locked the door behind him, had his gun, and just started mowing down the children and the teacher in the classroom. All the students and teacher who died in the shooting, who were murdered, were from one classroom. He didn't go from classroom to classroom, 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 shooting people. He picked one classroom, locked the door. In essence, it was shooting a fish in a barrel. That's all it was. The teacher had no firearm or way to protect them. The door, they couldn't get out the door. And so when the police said, oh, we cornered him, we, we barricaded him in that door. Because that's what they came out. The Texas, uh, Texas police of that particular town, the city, said, we barricaded him. I go, that's load of horse bunk. That's Badooey. That's baloney. He didn't barricade him inside the room. He locked himself in. That would be like me walking into a prison, going into a prison cell, shutting the door behind me, and locking it myself. And the prison guards going, look, we locked him in. No, you didn't. I locked myself in. And I killed my killed the two cellmates that were inside there, and I just massively murdered them in cold hard in cold blood. Oh, we cornered him. No, you didn't. So that's what we, I, I have seen. The Border Patrol agent was the one who went in. By the way, I thought it was strange when I first heard about the Border Patrol agent going into the, the, the school and shooting the shooter, taking him out. I was like, wait, why is the Border Patrol in there? That's not their jurisdiction. It's kind of like if you say the police, why don't the police perform highway, uh, go on, uh, on the highway and arrest people? Well, it's because that's the highway patrol and police are meant to operate within the city. So border patrol is meant for the border. So they were operating outside. He was operating outside of his jurisdiction. But I have to say, God bless the man who did this or God bless whoever this border patrol agent was who did this. They did the right thing when the police were acting cowardly. And I do say cowardly. Because when they're saying that, they're like, oh, we're not going to go in. And it's 40 minutes of these kids being shot. 30 to 40 minutes, approximately. Where these kids are being shot, executed, or however they were shot. They stood out there. If you're a police officer, and this is where I say I don't back the blue on this condition. You have a job to preserve and protect the public. And if your job is to protect little children, and yet they're in that police station, they're in that uh, school being shot to death. And you're, we're not going to go in. We're not going to go in. That one Border Patrol agent had more courage, honor, and duty that he fulfilled in that one time. Yeah, was he shot and injured? Yes. But I would turn to those police officers who refused to go in. I would hold them on criminal, criminal charges for manslaughter because they knew it was happening. They refused to go in. I'm guessing, 
and I'm, I'm playing the I'm playing the part right now saying this is the lesser of two evils. Less children would have been shot and killed if this had happened. Now, I know I can hear a lot of liberals in my ear, Democrats, or people who are very anti-gun screaming, if we just didn't have the firearm, he wouldn't be able to do it. You know what? We don't know that for 100%. I mean, if you guys, I will say this to people who are anti-gun. And I know the whole thing, I, I even have family who are very, we're not anti-gun, we're anti-people dying from guns, and we just stopped them dying from guns. You're anti-gun. Plain stuff like that. Yeah, I never had a pleasant conversation about guns with someone who was on the left, ever. They always just attack guns. So here's what I'm looking at. If you want to talk about gun policy, we can talk about gun policy. But you have to make sure you have a gun policy that's effective, that doesn't affect, I don't know, 100 million people here in America, including myself, who own firearms, and are not threatening anybody else. But I think the main thing I want to look at here, and I would encourage people on the left, any anti-gun person, any people like supporters of Beto O'Rourke or whatever, I'm going to encourage you this question. All I ever heard, and I heard this from uh, the church pastor as well, pastor's wife. You all scream about gun control. You all scream about mental health awareness. But when I said, let's look at the household, it takes too, apparently it's too long and we don't want to focus on that. All the tremors before this volcano went off suggested he came from a broken household. The father was absent from the life. So from what I get, uh, what the um, evidence has shown so far, the re- all the evidence has shown that the mother was addicted to whatever drug she was on. She had, she was an addict. The grandmother, we're not sure about the relationship between, at least I don't know quite yet. Um, details are still coming out. The relationship between the grandmother and the um, grandson, grandson at this point, bullied on social media, bullied in school, had a lisp, had a speech impediment. And it sounded like by listening and reading to what these uh, these uh, news organizations were saying is very much his life was one pothole after another, after another, after another, after another. And I look at this and go, that was the big culprit. That was the main culprit in my humble opinion. This kid acted because his life sucked so badly. Apparently, at first, he was a nice guy, nice kid to be around. Everyone really liked him. But one pothole after – if you throw people through junk after junk, if you put them into a boxing ring and just pummel them in the face over and over and over and over and and they're mistreated over and over and they have no escape, they have no understanding, they have no mentor. Heck, they don't even have Jesus. They don't know about Jesus' love. Wouldn't that make a difference? Isn't the main culprit behind all these shootings really called the broken household? Our walking away of Jesus Christ, of the, of the Bible? Isn't the whole system behind these shootings about the same issue over and over again? These people idealizing mass shootings because they're so miserable, they're so broken. Where was the, where was the Christian church in all of this? Where was in our society that we pointed to Christ? To a hope, to a peace. I'm looking going, there's none of that. None whatsoever. Our society has made it taboo to even mention Jesus. You can get fired from your job for mentioning Jesus. As we, and the Bible points out, the more we have God out of our lives and out of our society, the worse it gets. 
I believe that this shooting was a perfect representation of that. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go in. And I also think that these police officers, as I said, should be arrested for a a type of manslaughter. I don't know which one, particularly for a second or third degree, but they should be. They should lose their badges. So, I again, I don't want to focus on gun control or it'll just be, you know, he had mental issues. All we ever do is focus on that. That's all the left ever thinks about. That's all these anti-gun people think about. We just passed more gun laws. But let me jump on gun laws really fast. Chicago has some of the most strict gun control laws in our country. New York, California, they all have the same. Yet Chicago has the highest amount of shootings in the nation. High gun control, high shootings, high violence. Low gun control, low shootings, low violence in retrospect. Again, it's not about the gun. The gun is just a mechanical device. You can say, but it shoots projectiles. Yeah, yeah, and if anyone really wants to have a conversation about this, I'm more than willing to have it. You can contact me at nextgenerationsaints at gmail.com and we have a conversation about it. I can arrange a time to do a podcast. But I wanted to point out, ultimately, that the broken home and leaving of Jesus Christ out of this, along with other factors, led to this. I would say, I would say on my final thoughts here, the child, the kid who did this, who's now deceased, is a byproduct of a godless world. They are a byproduct of our broken system. That's what this is. It's not the gun. I would say not, not even the shooter. It's the broken system that he is a byproduct of. You know, in the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, you know, um, Daniel would come up to him and go, Daniel son, would come and go, he's a really bad kid. He's a really, he's a really bad student. He goes, no, 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 no. No such thing as bad uh, student, only bad teacher. There's no such thing. So I'm looking at the same way. Is he really the kid who's effed up? Or is it the system, byproduct of the system and the, and the family home life that he was in? He's a byproduct of all of that. It's food for thought. Maybe we should change that and focus in on that, making Christ-like decisions on that so when the 18 year old comes about, the byproduct, because our children are a byproduct of the environment we put them in, nature versus nurture and nurture, nature versus nurture, right? They are a byproduct of what you put out there. Maybe we need to fix this. And I'm thinking that is the exact answer we need to hear. Not more gun laws, not more mental health awareness months, more more or less, let's fix the family. Let's fix this broken system of the family. Let's fix the system of our communities and bring Jesus back into it. Food for thought. So next time, until we meet again, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.